I mean, this may be the end of freemusicarchive.org as a website as we know it. However, all of this music will still be available. All of these artists are still probably findable online. It won't have the same sort of community around it, and it won't have the same... You guys won't be able to email me anymore about things. Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. My name is Eric Klein, and today on the program we're going to be talking about my favorite website, the Free Music Archive, which is, at the time you're listening to this, has either uh, gone off the web, is shut down for good, or is going through a massive transition and will never be the same. Well, so why? Why are we talking about it? Um, it's be why well, it was my favorite website, and it resembled a community radio station because it was born out of community radio. It's a project of WFMU in East Orange, New Jersey, and the New York City market, and it was created by WFMU's uh, general manager Ken Friedman. And I first learned about it from Ken when he, when I was doing a documentary about uh, streaming music. We didn't call it streaming back when I made this documentary for the Pacifica Radio Network. Um, it was just the idea that radio stations on the internet were about to uh, be subject to a brand new rule from the Librarian of Congress during the Bush administration that uh, felt very threatening at the time. It turned out that... Uh, the rule didn't. Ch- uh, the rule changed things about music on the internet, but it didn't. Um, the the sword that appeared to be hanging over community radio stations in specific, uh, regarding how much money they were going to have to spend to stream, uh, that axe did not fall as heavy as some had feared, and but that fear was uh, was. Didn't, wasn't unfounded. The fear that people like Ken Friedman at WFMU felt that streaming music on the internet was about to become so expensive that it was in all effects about to shut down web streams of community radio stations all around the world, a topic that we've covered on Radio Survivor here uh, since our inception, uh, that, that didn't come to pass as badly as uh, they thought. But in the meantime, Ken Friedman built something amazing the Free Music Archive, and it grew very quickly. It would be, I wasn't there. I was on the other side of the world, just watching it, uh, watching it from afar. But I have spoken with some of the people who helped run the place, and so I've learned a little bit about what it is, and and I've also always been, uh, I've always been a fan, downloading music. Today on the episode of Radio Survivor, we're going to hear countless songs from the Free Music Archive. All of the um, credits for those tracks will be uh, in the show notes today, radiosurvivor.com. This is episode number 169. Bittersweet because episode number one, numero uno for Radio Survivor, way back in the day, we spoke with Cheyenne Homan of the Free Music Archive because um, I just loved the experimental, future-bended nature of this website, but really um, it was built upon the culture of community radio, which 
was uh, exciting. It was built by community radio people with community radio values. And that made this website uh, very exciting to me. And uh, fear not, it's not uh, gone from the earth forever. The archives will be preserved uh, in a different form. But the thing that was the Free Music Archive is going to be changing a lot. And the website itself will be shutting down momentarily. The last best information I have is that it's shutting down December 1st, 2018. The Free Music Archive was a website where artists of every genre of music, as well as some radio DJs and other kinds of curators, could upload music that was available for free to be downloaded. Uh, that idea of downloading music would come to be known in the second decade of the 21st century as streaming. But this was also this was back before all that. So yes, you could go to the website and stream the the song, but you could also download it and do with it uh, what you would, uh, as long as it. Um, as long as it comported with the license that the artist had had put on there. And that's a complicated thing that we can get into later on in the show. But the idea that I want to share with you now is just how exciting of an archive, of a library of music, the Free Music Archive, was um, an awful lot of different songs and artists were there and growing constantly. The Free Music Archive did not shut down for lack of interest. It shut down because it was too expensive to run it for free. Cheyenne Homan, thank you so much for joining us today on Radio Survivor. Thanks for having me. So Cheyenne Homan, we first spoke for Radio Survivor on episode one of the program because I've been a fan of the Free Music Archive since before it launched, since before it was called the Free Music Archive. I spoke with Ken Friedman, who was running WFMU at the time, and told me about this plan he had because he wasn't sure what was about to happen with music on the internet. He built this website. Is it fair to even say he built it? Perhaps it isn't. But the website was built because there was a possibility that streaming music online was about to get so complicated that there needed to be a very special music library that was still streamable no matter what. But in the meantime, that's not what the, that's, that's like the origin story of the Free Music Archive, but that's not what it became. And of course, we're talking about it now because it's going through its biggest transition to date, which, um, up to this moment, you guys have been saying is it's shutting down. Is the Free Music Archive shutting down, Cheyenne Homan? That's question number one. Um, I think that it's safe to say that the Free Music Archive, as we know it, will probably not be the same website Yeah. in a month or two. Yeah. I mean, it starts, I guess, with you guys posted on the website a couple weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. That it was shutting down. Yeah, that was the plan. And I'm assuming it was because it cost a lot of money to run the thing, because it's yes. it's not a uh, it's not a widely known website, but enough people go to it to stream music, which is a internet intensive, a server intensive 
enterprise, lots of downloads, lots of uploads, mm-hmm. but mostly downloads. And that, that really does cost quite a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So is that the problem? Is it just too uh, popular? That's, that's at the heart of the problem. Yeah. We, um, we had some server, um, issues that just kind of spiraled out of control. And also WFMU is still Ken Friedman's baby. He's, still the general station manager at WFMU and the free music archive is sort of, you could kind of consider it like a department or a subsidiary of WFMU. Um, they started the project and they helped us along every step of the way. Um, and in the last six months or so, it's become apparent that the operating costs for free music archive were not sustainable for WFMU. And the amount of fundraising and grant uh, money that we were able to pull in this year was less than we expected. So um, it was not my decision, but uh, the decision was was brought to me and I was instructed to do my due diligence to make sure that the assets of the site, that the content, all the music were properly archived and, and made available in perpetuity. And we're working on that partnered up with archive.org um, to put the entire mp3 collection so all 130,000 almost songs will be on archive.org hmm. in their community audio collection forever um, but the uh, yeah the site itself the community and sort of the beating heart of the FMA we're not sure uh, of its future yeah also that's... I hear you have a cat oh, yeah, she, she might join us we'll just let it go um, fine. <laughs> you know, when I'm over at Paul Reese Mandel's house and we're podcasting, uh, the cat is not allowed to interrupt. But I've, I've always thought that cats are welcome <laughs> on podcasts and radio shows. Why not? Um, okay, the Free Music Archive is so many things to so many people. To me, uh, and what I will miss about it, I guess, is, the, is that um, I signed up. I don't know exactly when. You probably know when I signed up. I signed up so long ago that... Um, I do think it was before Facebook. And so I signed up before Facebook existed, or at least before it was widely available to members of uh, the public outside of, um, you know, Harvard or something. And there were social media aspects to it that were really interesting. I never, that's not the main way I use the website, but that's, I think, one of the things I might now miss the most, where, like, I'm a fan of this, uh, of a band that uploaded its music. I can click over to another fan uh, of that band. They, you know, it's a publicly announced uh, fandom. Like, I like this. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, click a, you click a star. Now the list of people who like that band are available on that band's page. And you can follow that person. You can follow it down a rabbit hole. You can go to their profile on the Free Music Archive and see what else they like and, and work through the music collection that way. Um, will that sort of stuff still be available in the archive? That's a difficult thing to preserve. Yeah, I actually am not sure. We're doing our best to preserve all of the album and track pages on the Wayback Machine. Um, I don't know if that sort of user functionality is still going to be there. Yeah, I mean, and I guess, you know, I'm not Probably the top level user pages will be there. And so a random selection of favorites will be Uh, available on that sidebar. But I don't know if 
you'll be able to click through and see all of their favorites. Yeah, and, and I'm not here uh, to grill you in front of the listeners about like what'll still work. It's more <laughs> about the idea that these were functions that were available on <laughs> your very cool website and how, I don't know, you know, and on the one hand, it's like, this has come up before on Radio Survivor recently where we've, I've been a little bit of a nostalgic grandpa about how the internet used to work. <laughs> but I still think that that's um, worth talking about in public, that there was a time prior to three websites being the only place on the internet where stuff happened, mm -hmm. where um, connections were a little bit more, uh, um, there was more ways to connect and more I think that it's still a very through. human community, which is something that is lacking in a lot of the bigger sort of monolithic web uh you know websites now i think that that human connection is part of what made the free music archive so special because it was it kind of put a name and a face and an email account to a song yeah which the internet doesn't like to do typically <laughs> it's never been great at that I think that that human connection is part of what made the Free Music Archive so special because it was, it kind of put a name and a face and an email account to a song. Yeah. Which the internet doesn't like to do typically. <laughs> it's never been great at that. Um, and so, you know, the opportunities for direct licensing by podcasters and filmmakers to like contact an artist and say, hey, we really like this song. Can we use it or can we have? can we pay you to write us something is just such a, such a great asset and brought so many people to the, the community and to really become participants in the life of the free music archive. Yeah. That's my favorite thing about this weird place where, I mean, from what I understand, it was built by the WFMU community to be a place where music could stream without uh, concern for, for the licensing fees that might put a online radio station out of business like and that's mm -hmm. like a 2006 uh like uh it, contingency plan just in case this whole internet streaming thing goes sideways like mm -hmm. fmu will have music that is streamable and you know in 2016 that's like a that's almost quaint and but because mm -hmm. of that because of that contingency plan to build this archive of music be, because FMU, I'm assuming, has um, like a cares, I guess is the right word, cares about artists, the website also functioned as this incredible like artist-led community. I mean, that's what I loved about it. Like, yeah, I could go to this website as an, as an independent artist and click around to try to find the right song for the audio drama radio show podcast I'm making. Mm -hmm. 
And as I got better at understanding what music licenses are, I was able to get very specific. Like today I'm working on a show that I hope someday I'll get some money for it. So I will only use songs that are available for me to use if I make money. And then there's, it was just such a useful, such a useful uh, pile of music. Um, It was just such a useful, such a useful uh, pile of music. Um, mm -hmm. How much of that, how much of that was by design? Like, at what point did the, did the place become, like, um, such a creative website? Well, I think that it was really apparent, even to Jason Siegel, who was the first director of the FMA, that. The production community, especially independent producers, student producers, you know, documentarians, were going to be seeking out music that was cheap or free to license. And by embracing the Creative Commons license structure and their full suite of tools, we were able to kind of be able to serve those communities better. Um, a lot of what was done in the early days of the FMA were these playlists called track tracks to sync mm -hmm. and so they were um selections of music that were licensed in ways that allowed them to be used in derivative works so in podcasts you know broadcasts in audiovisual productions and they would you know sometimes give really extensive write-ups of the artists or the song or like a little review blurb um, per song with the license information and even, you know, to this day, still what, you know, uh, we do, a big part of what we do is advocacy um, for artists and helping the public understand Creative Commons licenses. Yeah, and I think, I just, I'm still so excited about even if it is uh, the end of the Free Music Archive as we know it, I am very excited about the example that the Free Music Archive puts forward of like an online community of streaming music, you know, with artists controlling the music that they post uh, and putting it up there both for an audience to enjoy, but also for another a secondary audience to create new works from it i mean that's a lot of the work that's on free music archive um is available for that and a lot of it is only there just to be listened to to be to be streamed but also in addition to streaming like it's so 2018 to stream 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 you could also uh in a very 2006 way download the mp3s and do stuff with them uh, listen to them in other ways, you can burn. I've burned CDs and played them in my car from the Free Music Archive. You can you can load them up onto an MP3 player, which used to be a thing. Um,
yeah, that that the, the reason we're talking today, Cheyenne Homan of the Free Music Archive, is that I really do think that the thing that was built that um, that supported the artists who contributed it to this library of music um, is really unique and not something that uh, should be ignored. Like I'd love other people to build something new that that can do similar things. Yeah, I think structurally the FMA is extremely unique and it was built in this sort of moment where social media was dominating the internet landscape and so it felt really important that we had the social aspect. I think the social aspect allowed for unique ways to discover music, as you mentioned earlier. Um, And I think it would be a tall order for a music website to provide what we provided. Um, I dearly hope that others can learn from what we did and sort of walk in that foot in our footsteps, but also, you know, take that, take that model one or two steps further, like center the artists even more. Um, I always wanted to, you know, one of my pipe dreams was to, um, build a licensing portal for the FMA so that filmmakers or producers who wanted to license music directly from the artists would have a place to do that uh, without having to sort of do it all via email or phone off the site. So it was more of a one-stop place to make those negotiations and transactions. And then I could also, in that process, like help artists understand what their rights were and what kinds of, you know, pricing was appropriate and how to negotiate Um, and, you know, a bit about the process of licensing your work, what it means to, to license your work. I think a lot of independent artists just want to make music and put it on the web and be done with it. Um, but there are a lot of opportunities for artistic and personal growth and for financial gain. Like, and I think that if we were able to advocate for artists as well as we were in this one way, I really wish we could have explored in other ways too. Yeah, it would have been a really uh, useful. I mean, it's a staff. You have to staff up, and and you know, there you have to hire some lawyers and keep them around all the time. But yeah, um, but yeah, that it's like you know, music on video games and mm-hmm. music on apps on phones and music mm-hmm. on you know people's YouTube uh, pages that are for profit or completely community oriented. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of places for music to go and a lot of opportunities for artists to sell it. I, w- I also wanted to say that you used the word uh, social media, and I just sort of keep wanting to drive home to to, to <laughs> I think I want to I always want to remind myself and other people that in 2006 social media um, wasn't just a euphemism for one website, Facebook. Social media really was um, something that was outside of one website facebook it was a way that that people were connecting on the web in the early aughts and it's now i think a lot of times if people are talking about social media they're really just it's just a euphemism for this one one (laughs) website which really you know everyone's on it it connects people in a really nice way um everyone's there every day so everyone's on it but you know there was there was a time where things were getting built that, that were generating lots of ideas about he, 
how people could be building communities and connecting using the online tools that were out there. Um, and the Free Music Archive was a part of that growth. We're talking, Shan Homan, because you, uh, how long did you run the Free Music Archive for? Um, just over, it's been four years and a month now, um, <laughs> as of November 1st of this year. And, so, yeah. and the Free Music Archive is going through a massive uh, transition. You guys posted on your website um, a couple weeks ago that, that the Free Music Archive would be shutting down and, and being archived. And mm -hmm. um, what's... What's the latest? Is it? Are we talking on the day that the that the that the lights are being turned off on the computers? No, fortunately, we had a really generous donor who came through for us in the eleventh hour yeah, <laughs> this like week. Yeah, Uh huh. And um, so we are going to be able to keep the lights on until December first. Oh, okay. Uh, so people listening now, some people listening could go check out the Free Music Archive and. Um, I guess just feel awful <laughs> that they that they don't have enough time. That's how I've been feeling. I don't know. What do you recommend people do with the Free Music Archive in the um in the in the twelve days or ten days or six days that um they have left to explore the place? Well, you know, I would say it depends on what your reason is for visiting. Uh, you know, with anybody, um, anybody who goes is going to have kind of a different goal. So if you want to look for music to use in certain productions, you'd want to browse by license. Um, if you want to just sort of poke around and see what's there, there are a lot of playlists and fun kind of blog posts and stuff. Once you get past the doom and gloom posts at the top of the blog <laughs> feed at this point. Um, but, you know, we've really got a huge variety of stuff. I would say my best advice to people is don't panic because we are archiving everything. Uh, <laughs> Just, and that's so, good advice in general right now. Like, Yeah, like we are not, I mean, this may be the end of freemusicarchive.org as a website as we know it. However, all of this music will still be available. All of these artists are still probably findable online. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it won't have the same sort of community around it and it won't have the same... You guys won't be able to email me anymore about things uh, after December. Don't first. email Cheyenne Homan and, and ask don't her email about that. Creative Commons. Yeah. Creative Commons has a lot of really amazing resources for you on their own website, creativecommons.org. Um, you know, and, and some of our allies like Creative Commons have really been great in helping us spread the word and, um, you know, connect with other orgs that might be able to help us out like archive.org yeah. um, so that's been really nice to kind of see members of this community step up for each other and help out um, and I think that you know this also is the end of my position as full-time director of the FMA uh, I'm gonna miss it dearly but I also do feel like I've done all I could um, and it's just this sort of the level of funding that we needed to to maintain this project was far beyond my fundraising capacity. Yeah. Um, as the sole employee, <laughs> the sole full time employee of this massive collection. So, you know, I, I've kind of made my peace with that. Um, and we've had some offers of people who thought like, oh, maybe I can just like host it on my tiny server rack at my house and like no <laughs> that's not quite 
what we need. So, uh, but we are accepting proposals still if people are interested in, um, you know, hooking up with FMA, you know, from their server. Like, if you have like a server company and you want to like donate some hardware or you have, um, you know, you work for a big company that does uh, matching donations and you want to like send us some cash to help us keep the lights on a little bit longer, we can do matching donations. Um, but also, you know, if you have questions for specific artists about their music, um, we are going to try to make sure that people can still reach them. Um, and I, I don't know if the like email contact link will still work. Yeah. Cause, cause, because if, if people aren't familiar with the free, if people aren't familiar with the free music archive, I mean, you could poke around in all sorts of different avenues and paths. Like I described earlier uh, on this interview that I would uh, find a band I liked at random in this case, and then follow their fans through other alleys. You could also search just for songs in the public domain. Um, but everywhere that you went, every every path that you took, you could search by genres, which was really fun. I really liked the ways that the genres were um, sliced and diced. You know, it wasn't just mm -hmm. electronic music. There was... So, yeah, color-coded. <laughs> yeah, le levels of a diff all the different metal available. You could have gone farther, maybe, with... Um, slicing it even thinner slicing the metal pie even thinner but um yeah i mean i do feel like we had plenty of subgenres in metal but yeah we, <laughs> i don't know why see, I picked metal but the idea was metal i think we had maybe sludge yeah yeah i can tell you i'll tell you tomorrow um i mean i can play it and when i do the edit on this i can play each genre <laughs> The idea is when you landed on an artist and you could contact them through the Free Music Archive and that artist didn't necessarily have to post any other uh, contact information, phone numbers, email addresses, mailing addresses, the Free Music Archive would, so would forward them a message. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah. might be, um, that might be difficult to, um, to, keep, to keep alive in the Free Music Archive-less future that we're now heading yeah. into. Yeah, that, that is uncertain. Um, however, you know, a lot of these artists also have pages um, on other uh, streaming websites, especially ones that are Creative Commons oriented. There's also one called Gemendo, which is a licensing portal, as well as a streaming uh, platform. And then a lot of them also have things like, you know, Bandcamp pages or their right. own archive.org. Yeah. Bandcamp came along. Um, <laughs> Net, Net label pages and things like that. What was the last one? Uh, oh, some of them also have archive.org pages okay. or their own sort of net label net uh, label, website. Right. Net labels. Um, but yeah, but what we're losing when we lose the free music archive is um, it was it was the it was the community radio station indie artist like platform of the future in the early aughts. You know, the website that the free music archive has like analogs there are other websites especially that came along in the days since it was built 
that came along and sort of do some of the similar things that it does. But um, I think that what made the Free Music Archive unique is um, it was curated, Mm -hmm. which meant that not everybody who wanted to upload could upload, although it doesn't mean that every song, I'll be honest, like some of the stuff I will skip. Um, but you know, not everything's for everybody. Well, what else? me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, which is nice. I mean, there should be something, there should be, a, you know, it shouldn't just be one person's opinion of what's good, but, yeah. um, it was I curated. Mean, so, you know, WFMU station manager, Ken Friedman has been quoted as saying like, I turn off my own radio station multiple times a day because I find it unlistenable, <laughs> <laughs> but like, that means it's good radio, right? Like there's something for everyone. Yeah, as long as the person who's playing the song likes it, then somebody out there will also like it. And so as, I guess if the person uploading, if we're going to continue to stretch the metaphor, the person uploading a song to the Free Music Archive, you know, if they, if they um, were invited in the first place to, to have an account, then they must be creating music that somebody uh, enjoys. And actually the thing about it is like, yeah, uh, it, <laughs> I was the caveat was that not everything's so great, but also there is a lot of self-generated artist-generated content on the Premusic archive that is great because mm-hmm. because it's a curated group of people um and then uh, it was unique that the files are available in a world where so much of um, in, we've we've kind of gone back into a world where MP3s are out of style. Like it, you're not, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't know, I I don't know when was the last time I bought something on iTunes, but you know, <laughs> um, you don't often get to control the file that you purchase, and mm-hmm. these were f- or get for free. You know, you have to be pretty clever to to know how to get a YouTube clip and make use of it outside of that one particular website, right? But here were here were files that were available to you to take and move around the world and also, you know, mix into your Final Cut Pro projects or whatever it is you're using. That made it unique. Um, am I missing anything? Um, about the availability of the music? Or just about like why, you know, the Free Music Archive is neat and now it's going away, what are we going to be missing? Um, honestly, I've worked with it so closely that I'm sort of, I think, unable to see the forest uh, yeah. because I think I'll know what's missing once it's gone. Yeah. Um, but I do think, you know, one of the things that's already gone is that we've stopped taking new uploads um, because people, you know, artists and curators upload things daily. We would get... I think something on the order of between a thousand and fifteen hundred new tracks every week. Wow. And that is a great problem to have, but it also means there's a lot more downloading happening. And so there's a lot more traffic. And so there's a lot more bills. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it just kind of feeds itself. And we were unable to secure enough funding to get us through the end of the year. So we uh, stopped accepting uploads at the beginning of this month. Mm. Um, I announced to artists and curators in the, at the end of October about the impending 
closure slash suspension of service, um, which just became closure <laughs> in our in our constantly changing uh, situation. And then I told the public on the fifth um, of November because we were supposed to shut down the ninth, and so everybody had a few days to kind of get you know download their playlists and yeah do whatever they needed to do and then we got pushed back to today the 16th um and last week somebody or no sorry the beginning of this week somebody uh made a very generous donation and so they they were able to float us through to the end of this month so So we could still download stuff yes you can still download stuff until uh the first of december i believe is the new suspension slash closure date um but you know we're also in talks with a couple of organizations that might be able to adopt the free music archive and keep it going um but i'm sure that changes will be made to the structure and the nature of the site just because every not off the shelf piece of software reflects the people that built it and so it'll it'll change and grow with the new ownership yeah because that was part of what um the living and growing old free music archive, you know, there was a, there was a period of, of, um, adding features that, Mm -hmm. you know, as someone who has, was on the website the whole time, I pretty much that, um, it stopped, it stopped adding features recently, um, in the last couple of years. It, uh, you know, and like, I, I don't think that the, um, the whole mobile internet, uh, sea change um you know there that that would have been a a significant investment to try to to make the free music archive really awesome for everybody's handheld computers um that was something that that wasn't um in the cards unless Mm -hmm. i'm mistaken i never i never got a chance to really enjoy like there were um there were simple versions of the free music archive for the iphone yeah we built apps for iphone and android which were pretty widely used, but they were not fully functional analogs to the site. Yeah, and like by any means. Yeah, and there's so many more. There's so many more ways to make connections and to find the music at the stream, and then, um, mm-hmm. yeah, geez, Louise. Well, Cheyenne Holman, thank you so much for running the Free Music Archive for the last four years. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. It was a place where, in case listeners are just tuning in, I could go as a podcast and radio producer and find uh, the the song for the, well, you know, for, you know, here at Radio Survivor, there's been, um, uh, I've, I've been using one album in particular that I will continue to use that was in the public domain that I downloaded off the Free Music Archive for all of our outro music. Um, I also had another podcast where every song I played uh, was it was a ra- it was a radio drama, so it was a much more like cinematic uh, sounding experience with with a lot more needs for for different kinds of music, not just um, you know public radio outro background music. But all of that was up there, and mm-hmm. will continue to be up there on archive.org, if not somewhere else in the future. But I guess I just want to ask one more time, like what um, you know you mentioned that you were you've worked so hard at the place for so many years that it's hard to see the forest for the trees. But I'm wondering like, 
in a world where people can hear your ideas and sort of apply them towards future projects, you were you were an important part of this、um, online community where artists were at the center. Where their their work was being shared, it resembled in really neat ways community radio, but it was also like an entirely new thing、um, because of how interactive it was. You know, instead of it was a community radio station where where the listener it was like a community radio version of Spotify, really in a way、um, with indie music instead of you know.、Uh, so what what advice do you have? For people who are going to build something or want to dream big for community projects,、um, my biggest piece of advice would be keep the community in mind.、Um, make it easy for people to connect. Make it fun. Don't make it too complicated.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you know our. Infrastructure is admittedly rather complicated and kind of annoying. Our our you know CMS is super annoying for me as someone who had to、uh, you know learn it from scratch and then try to teach others. Yeah, <laughs> I, it was just like, well, there's it's this highly custom thing that was built in 2008, and so now it's 10 years later, and it was handmade, right? I mean, you, was, you guys you guys weren't using yeah, any tools. That no, it's a fully custom-coded PHP application. Yeah. So, and so, I mean, the, the ideal way. It's still kind wow, of like flash. It's it's an it's an artifact of of ye old internet. <laughs> and the, the ideal way to keep that thing going would have been to have like the person who built it or someone like them on staff a lot. Like I'm going to say full time, and then、yeah. and then you're really rocking, and things can grow and change. But the person who built it, you sort of need them around. Yeah, and if they if they move on, and then you have to hire new people to to tweak it. Now you're now you're sort of swimming against the current. As I understand these things, I'm not a professional website builder by any stretch. I'm not either. I wish I was, because maybe this would have gone differently. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were able to afford one part time developer, and he came on to the project shortly before I did. So we were really both learning the site around the same time. And at the same pace, and that was, you know, a crash course、yes. of of sorts in like figuring out how all of these pieces fit together, how best to serve our communities, and you know how to like figure out how to do online only fundraising in the process, and what makes an effective, you know, engagement、um, opportunity for online populations. What do they respond to? It's totally different than a brick and mortar operation,、mm-hmm. uh, and it's totally different. You know, we didn't even do mailing campaigns for our fundraising. We we did email campaigns and we did social media campaigns. Yeah, we would still manage to raise like fifteen thousand per campaign, which is amazing. But you know, if you have a full time staff person, a part time staff person, and you have to pay, you know. Somewhere in the neighborhood of ten grand a month to keep the thing up and running, just from the website. Right, just be- because everything because、yeah. people are downloading a whole huge amount of files off of your website. That's, yeah, that's we were、cost. attracting about three million visitors a month. Yeah, so it didn't it didn't go down for、It's、lack of、graphic. popularity. 
No. Which is a really... No, it is still very popular. Yeah, which I guess is also a very important lesson to tell today on Radio Survivor, that the Free Music Archive, this thing that was built 10 years ago, um, it's popular. It's growing in a way, it sounds mm-hmm. like, and but it wasn't... Um, in... Yeah, I mean, even this week I've gotten emails from people and donations from people with comments saying things like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this existed until I saw that you were shutting down. Here's some money. Like, I hope you keep the lights on. So we are gaining notoriety, but it's not a great time to be doing it. Right. But I mean, I just want to say, I just want to get on a soapbox and say like, you know, if, if somebody had tried to build like a local system for lending out free books to uh, children and others, everybody, but especially children, right? Free books for all, every single person in the city and then tried to, you know, build it from scratch and fund it through donations and keep the lights on with with the skeleton crew like the 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 a library system could not function it, it, there's mm-hmm. there's ways that these things um they thrive but they don't necessarily thrive within um capitalism <laughs> and so, yeah they don't thrive on goodwill alone yeah unfortunately and you know as as much as i consider this a labor of love like i do have to pay my rent at the end of the month yeah so, I was I was wondering uh, like could I sleep under my desk at my community radio station and then we could like work out a new system. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we all just sleep in bunk beds at the community radio station, like uh, <laughs> yeah. like fight club. Um, it becomes a dorm slash workspace slash commissary. Then then you don't yeah. have to pay your news reporters <laughs> at all. You just, just right. You got to feed them, give them give them clean water, and they can all wear uh, blue overalls. <laughs> well, Cheyenne Holman, uh, thank you so much for the Free Music Archive. I look forward to finding out just what um, what might be in store for this incredible collection of MP3s and artists and um, all of the weird ways that it was searchable and streamable. Uh, I, don't, we didn't, I don't even think we scratched the surface. I think I should have uh, reached out to a giant fan of the Free Music Archive and find out <laughs> what it meant to them because I know, I know what it means to me. Um, hopefully I did my job and asked you what it means to you, but what was so cool about the website was that it could have, it could have been different things for different people. There could have been somebody who loved a different genre of music or had a different reason that they wanted to sift through piles of indie music that could get something else out of it. And that was what was so, that was what was so enjoyable is that it really was, um, it's clearly was a very popular website, still is a very popular website. clearly was a very popular website still is a very popular website well and so yeah i'm glad we uh we chatted about it again today on radio survivor yeah i mean it's been an honor to work with this project i'm really really happy that i had the opportunity to kind of you know 
do my best to steward this collection and make sure that it grew and changed in positive ways and engaged the community. And, you know, I hope that that community lives on and I hope that the people that put their heart and soul into this project can continue to, you know, put that same passion into whatever comes next. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I know uh, that was a great ending and that's probably the ending, but I can't help myself. The, <laughs> the thing is that um, I've learned from Radio Survivor and from working with the people who write here and, and also just talking to other radio lovers that um, like every, every radio station's origin story these days and even old ones, I actually found out that this goes farther back than I thought. Many, many radio stations' origin story come from another radio station's demise mm -hmm. and that a group of people find each other because they missed the one thing and they build mm -hmm. they build the new thing mm -hmm. and uh, I thought that that was more of a recent phenomenon in radio uh, the first example was actually the first article I ever wrote for Radio Survivor as a friend I, I reached out and I wrote I reached out to Matthew Lazar and I wrote this article about a, um, a community of people who loved a radio station, actually a corporate radio station, but a left-wing corporate talk radio station here in Portland, and they lost, you know, their station shut down overnight in mm -hmm. um, 2012. And that, you know, the first article I wrote was about how upset they were and how they were rallying together. And then I don't remember how many months later, maybe a whole two years later, those people had joined forces with another group of people and built a new radio station. And so that was, and then it turns out that that's actually a very common, that's like an archetype for how stations get built. And then I was listening <laughs> to um, a piece of archival tape of these guys that are famous for building radio stations in the 60s. Uh -huh. You know, who's, I won't try to say all their names, but like community radio nerds know all mm -hmm. of their names. And I was listening <laughs> to two of these dudes talk to each other in like 1969 and it turns out that 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 there were you know that a radio station that was founded here in portland uh that that others that that is it's it goes all the way back mm -hmm. it's decades old that um it's like a trope <laughs> yeah exactly it's a yeah. trope that that one thing goes that down phoenix rising from the ashes yeah and thing. so yeah. so the people that love the free music archive um they may yet have a surprise for us with a new you know community oriented artist website or something you know maybe it doesn't yeah. have to be on the internet all the time <laughs> we could yeah if we inspire people to get off the internet too i'm at this point i'm fine with that yeah let's um let's try to the free music archive brick and mortar <laughs> virtual the virtual reality free music archive. well uh shion holman thank you so much yeah thank you
Well, thank you so much for listening to Radio Survivor today. My name is Eric Klein. My thanks again to Cheyenne Homan of the Free Music Archive. Best of luck in your next endeavor. And best of luck to the other good people at the Free Music Archive, all the artists and um, the website itself. Thank you to everybody who helped make this really cool website possible. It taught me about Creative Commons licensing, and that was no small thing. I'm sure that they... uh, that they really um, spread that knowledge much farther than some other projects, and that uh, did a lot of good. The Free Music Archive... um, Well, I wanted to say that there'd be links in the show notes to everything you heard today, but the thing is, is I'm not going to put links to the Free Music Archive in the show notes today because they're shutting it down, and I don't know, um, as of the next... uh, several hours that I create the blog post for today's episode of Radio Survivor, all those links might change. So I'm going to put the the names of all the tracks of the songs I played in the show notes, and I'll put the Free Music Archive uh, front page in the show notes. I'm sure something will go up there, and you know the latest information will probably still be there. What's going to change right away, I'm sure, is the access to the music, which is the most expensive part of running this website, is going to have to be um, uh, curtailed. And there's going to be a free music archive that lives on in an afterlife on um, the on the internet archive, which is a wonderful thing. <laughs> Fourteen days now I have been burning From a prison far from here To my lover I must go home now to live with Adam I cannot be I was a poor man in such a flavor The days had ended down in the mines For stealing silver I was in prison, there was no walking to who be found. If you want to reach out to us here at Radio Survivor to let us know uh, uh, your thoughts about this episode of the show, to let us know your favorite thing about the Free Music Archive, or if you have questions or comments or story ideas for other episodes of this radio program where we discuss the world of community radio and all of its various um, sisters and brothers and cousins and uncles, um, you can reach out to us. Our email is podcast at radiosurvivor.com. We are a listener-supported enterprise. You can find out more by going on to our website, radiosurvivor.com slash support. And we'll be here next week. Paul Reese Mandel will return shortly from his travels, and I'm sure he'll have something exciting to tell us about community radio um, across the continent of South America. It will be awful nice to have Paul Reese Mendel back. Hey, everybody, I would like to let you know also that last week's episode of Radio Survivor, in which we talked about um, both the concept of archiving entire radio spectrums, which Jennifer Waits, co-host of Radio Survivor, and I uh, thought was a magic childlike dream prior to talking with our guest Thomas Witherspoon, uh, you can find out all about that idea of archiving the full radio spectrum. It's especially easy to do with shortwave radio and AM. The AM frequency, FM, uh, takes up a little bit more hard drive space and bandwidth. But that that, con- that, that idea was discussed in, at length, and 
We also had an opportunity last week to talk with Thomas Witherspoon all about, you know, the world of shortwave radio, which is exciting and vast and has a really long history and we barely scratched the surface. But I had a lot of fun with that episode, so I just wanted to let you know if you didn't get a chance to check it out, please do. You can go back into our archives at radiosurvivor.com. And, I mean, 169 episodes of the podcast. There's plenty to dig around in if you're if you love radio and sound half as much as I do. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening. See you next week.